every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Feed, and as always, and you know what? This is so much better, Tim. This is actually our evening. We're doing this our evening. You know, I feel energetic. I feel like I have strength to get through this hour of talking about the craziest part of the world when it comes to football. Um, evening, Tim. How are you feeling? This is great. This podcast is full of energy. We just chatted before the podcast. It's so exciting. This is going to be great. This is the second time in the history since I've been on the podcast. We're doing this in the evening time, our time, uh, well, North American time. And the last time we did it, I was still living at the previous apartment, which was, that means it was 2015. So the first time in three years we're doing the podcast in the evening time. This is going to be full of energy. Uh, and even Andrew is awake. Yeah. Um, he is, which is not that surprising because, you know, <laughs> even though it's our evening and not his, um, he still gets a way of doing it relatively late. Andrew, how are you doing? What time is it over there? Something like nine almost? I mean, that's like almost the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I'm absolutely delighted for you boys to, to hear so much. So much energy and alert. Do you feel the energy, Andrew? Tell us. I, 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 it's impossible not to. If people can't get an impression of this on the podcast, then they're missing out on a, on a treat. I mean, every time it's sort of the groans as the coffee is slowly surging through your veins. And, I, you know, we ease into the pod and you guys eventually wake up. And I, I don't blame you at all because it's early for you boys normally. But, oh, yeah. No, no, it's good. It's good quarter to nine. Been awake a couple of hours and... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one, especially after you boys have got all the energy. Yeah, I actually had a nap going into this podcast, so like this is like double good. <laughs> I feel like an old man, you know. I actually take naps now. It's that's unbelievable. But um yeah, um really excited to get into all of this. It's it's an international break week. Um bit of an odd time to do a podcast, but you know, we usually do cover international um, friendlies, etc. And I mean, there were some qualification games as well on, um, as well. It is games on as we speak. I mean, there's a game going on in the background between Brazil and Peru absolutely butchering each other on the field and at the LA Coliseum. So, um, if you're watching that or have watched that, yeah, I feel you. That's, I, I'm hurting just watching it. But guys, um, 
from LA all the way to Ural Ekaterinburg. Love that transition, Andrew. You should, because it's all about your club. And this is the first piece of news that we are going to discuss. Stefan Strandberg and his agent want back at Ural. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's very exciting, to be honest, because Ural have conceded the most goals in the Premier League this season. They've had one clean sheet at home in, I think it's over a year now. Um, and back in January, we took Stefan Strandberg on loan from Krasadar. He hadn't played a competitive first-team game in something like 26 months because of injuries. And he was absolutely fantastic for us um, from the winter break onwards. And I actually even voted for him in the Ural Yekaterinburg journalist poll as our second best player of the season. Um, and anyway, he got to the summer. They agreed terms and his wage demands were met. The effing was fine. And he then got a bit, he got a bit arrogant and said, I demand that you make me captain and that you give me the number eight shirt, which had just been given to Roman Yebelianov. And the club turned around and said, no, not a chance. Out you get. And I think he just assumed he would pick up a club, but he's, he's been without a club since his contract at Krasadar ran out in the summer. Um, but I've, I've had it from a couple of my colleagues close to the club that he, he actually turned up at the club again with his agent last week and, and asked Grigori Ivanov, our club president, who's known for being really, really strict. Um, and basically said, look, actually, I'm, I'm sorry about the demands I made. I'd really like my job. Um, and Ivanov replied that, well, we'll have to wait and see maybe in the winter. So it's, it's very, it's a very interesting prospect because Strandberg is a quality player, but he's had his injury problems and his, I personally like his, his confidence and his arrogance a bit. You need player opinion. I don't know what you guys think, but I find them entertaining characters, but he is good quality and he certainly will improve Aurelia Kattenberg. And to be honest, he'd improve a lot of clubs, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Because he's a free agent, he could still sign, even though the transfer has officially closed. So that's one possibility, uh, but Ural desperately need him. Uh, the question is whether the squad and Grigori Ivanov will accept his apology or not, but I suspect it probably will. Could be a good example, Tim, of the club maybe sitting one out and um, getting the terms that they want, hey? Yeah, exactly. And um, also, you know, getting him into this position that like, well, he doesn't really owe, but like if he came back crawling to take me back, that's that's obviously good. And especially, you know, yeah, he's a quality player for the for, for the Russian PMR League. He is a quality player. And um, for, for a side like Orali Kachinimburg, exactly like, like Andrew said, you need players like that. Again, like you mentioned the in injuries. I remember he had some issues with injuries. So it's that's why I think Grigory Ivanov is for two reasons. Like, taking him back, first of all, because of his... Um, well, like because of his demands originally, and second of all, I think the the injuries would be a question. But um, I think they will probably sort it out. And uh, Andrew, is he honestly like on a, what what's his status right now? Is he like a free agent, so technically he can join at any time, or like what's his status? Yeah, no, he's he's a free agent at the moment. Um, he his contract ran out across the time summer, and he's um, yeah, so he could sign uh, technically any time. Uh, well, certainly from a legal standpoint, but like you say, whether Ivanov lets him back in is another matter. But yeah, he's a free agent at the moment. At the same time, see the the other side of the his position. If he's uh, come crawling back, not only to Oralto, but a few other clubs, and if they take him back, 
sooner, then maybe Oral can miss out on a fairly, like I said, quality player for the for, for the team. So I think maybe Grigory Ivanov shouldn't be too strict and maybe, you know, let let him back. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. I think I think that's the risk. Um uh, if other clubs are, are on the ball, they should be looking at the situation, at least keeping an eye on it, because he, he his wage demands were not huge. Um, so it, he could be a really good option for somebody. I really hope Odell don't miss out. Yeah, they definitely could use the um, the help in defense, as you said, Odell's defense. Leaky um, at times this season, last season. Um, you know this better than anyone else, Andrew. But um, released. That's that's a that's a good word, because um, not quite released, maybe never released. We'll find <laughs> out if they ever get released. Tim Kokorin and Mamaev, our two favorite jailbirds, still in jail, <laughs> but there seems to be an end to the story, maybe. Uh, somewhat, uh, yeah, exactly. Some kind of end to the story because they appealed uh, to, for to be released sooner, and their appeal worked out because. And that's actually true. I completely agree with that. First of all, they're not real criminals, so they didn't really do anything bad, and they were um, they were very very good uh, in time in jail. They organized um, a football game which attracted lots of attention, and um, I don't know how much it's it's true, but it was really said that before they arrived. Uh, on their evening, uh, the, the the jail people on the evening break, they were just smoking and just talking and sitting and not nothing doing around. Since Kakorin Mamayev arrived to this jail, uh, everyone started doing sports. Everyone became like those football games between uh, people in jail became regular. Uh, they spent this time quality, so really, they really improved the morale and they really improved the the. the the sport sport aspect of the, the of that the place where uh, they're located. So I think it's all good. Uh, so pretty much the, the the situation is right now that they've been announced that they will be released sooner, and in ten days after that was announced, they should be um, out and uh, they should be free, and uh, they won't be able to join any team because uh, there's uh, they as, as they said they couldn't be. Um, released, uh, added to the roster of any team right now, so the, the sooner they can get us probably in the winter time. But uh, already we heard a few rumors, not rumors, even like uh, Ahmad representatives already said that they will take them happily, uh, both of the players. Um, uh, Zenit said that they will take uh, Alexander Kakorin back as a trial, and then also I think Grigory Ivanov at Oral said that they potentially be interested in looking at opportunity to take in Mamaev. So we will see them back uh, playing football fairly soon. And Stanislav Chichesov uh, gave a fairly big interview, and he said that uh, they need to uh, do, to show uh, trust, and also they need to really to make confident him and also the the, the fans that they can be back in the uh, national team potentially. Again, it was very very like potential um, story, but again, it's very um, well, it's it's the end of the story. And I'm sure there will be more to come because I'm sure there will be. They will talk to press and we will learn a lot about what happened and different stories. But uh, probably in the winter time we'll see them playing football again. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Andrew, Mamaev at Ural, would you take him? You know, well, I think I would. I think I would. I mean, like Tim says, they they did commit a crime. They have served their sentence and. If if they are not if they are completely shunned after having served their prison sentence, there was no point in prison in the first place, um, because surely the whole point of 
of a punishment like that is rehabilitation. They look like Tim says to have behaved well. So I, I don't I, I don't condone for a second what they did. And I actually don't like the way that their their PR has basically been managed to to make them look so positive after all of this. But anyway, Andrew, I would be happy to draw a line under it. Um, and equality wise, it's a no brainer. Um, morally, well, they they've served their punishment. It's not it's not what Owl's job to judge their legal status. That's been done by the by the court. So yeah, I definitely would. I, uh, you're speaking exactly the same as the uh, Stanislav Chechesov spoke. He said that uh, compared to the football, when the players commits a foul and they get a red card, let's say they miss two games, but then they back and they play again. So he said they committed a crime, they went to jail, but they're back. They're still hopefully like, you know, they learned the lesson and they will improve like, you know, and they show it to society and to the whole like national society into the football society, they are uh, they you know that they they get better and you know they're back and they're back at their job and it's it's up to them to show if they're still good uh, to play for their clubs to play football professionally and potentially to to play in in the national team. He said first of all they need to prove it to, to the society and to everyone in Russia that you know that they deserve and if they're fans you know if we will see how the fans react to that because he says national team is a very serious business i cannot make those decisions this is kind of the decision which has to be very very weighted out but at the same time he says yeah nothing is nothing is forbidden and yeah i'm pretty sure you know what i'm the only thing which like the question you asked to to andrew about mamayev to oral same goes to kakorin especially kakorin he has this bad knee injury and uh, there were some rumors that it, it got worse over the uh, the jail time because it hasn't been treated properly um, I'm a little bit concerned about that. And my wife is also, he's, he's, I think he's 31, 30. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a one year out of football. It is tough. So I really, you know, as much as I hate this whole situation and I've always said that I, they deserve what they got through. I still want them to have a good careers because I think the jail, what happened in jail, especially based on what they have been saying in those little interviews, it seems like they really learned the lesson and it's really you know exactly what the, the the job of the jail is to. If you make a mistake, you go through this uh, period without freedom. You 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 are in jail. So the jail supposed to you know to fix those mistakes and to make you a better person. Based on what they have been saying, they they became better. Per- have to prove it with their with their actions. But I see there's a there's a positive trend. So I really hope that you know. That this is the case that they be, they be, became better person and they will prove it with their actions, and that's why I hope they will return to football and they play football. But um, that's I'm sure they will talk about this story more. I'm sure we'll talk about the story plenty, um, <laughs> especially when they do sign um, for for a new club, right? I mean that is that is something that is going to happen eventually. Um, I I am agreeing with both of you. I think the entire purpose of jail is rehabilitation, right? So um, the idea is that if you go to jail because you committed a crime, you're supposed to come out a better person and um, you're supposed to be reintegrated into society. So in their case, um, that is getting a job and their profession is obviously being soccer players, right? Um, so it, it's it's a no-brainer to me. Um, also, I don't think this is a heinous crime that they committed. It's not like something like you, it's not like you're trying to integrate a murderer or rapist or 
Um, you you trying to integrate two players that um, had too much to drink and then went on a rampage in in Moscow, right? Um, that is bad blood, and that is something that you you have to work out with them. But I'm pretty sure they're not going to do it again. So um, I, I'm fully for. I I think that Kokorin is probably going to be taken back by Sanid and Mamai will have have a selection of teams. I don't think Krasnodar will take him back just because of the way yeah. the, the the club is cultured, right? They have very strict exactly. rules about this period. Like even if he hadn't gone to jail, I think he would have been done because this was already his second strike. Um, exactly. I, I think, I think let him play. Um, about injuries, I think that's always a tricky one, right? Because you're not going to get treated well in jail. Um, if you can do the basic work that you're supposed to do in work in jail, then you, you're going to get that done. You're not going to go and have like massages, physiotherapy, et cetera, because your knee hurts. So yeah, um, it's an interesting one. I'm really curious to see how, how, how this one will pan out in the end um speaking about players getting rehabilitated jonatas is a player um former ruben kazan star andrew he is on the radar of dinamo and CSKA. now the, the thing that i know about jonatas he came in a big money signing for hannover 96 um two years ago i believe um, just before in the season they went down to the Bundesliga two the first time and they came back up to the Bundesliga and they went straight back down to Bundesliga two no they came back up to Bundesliga and that's when they signed him and it didn't quite work out for him there um, he was then back in Brazil um, not a big hit there either and then finally got released um, this transfer window by Hannover 96 because they're back in Bundesliga two now you hearing that he is on the radar of Dinamo and CSKA. Now CSKA um, always desperate to sign um, some striker from South America with a little bit of a wobbly history. Um, what do you hear about this one? Well, yeah, basically, Jonas. Yeah, like you say, man, he's had he had a really really good period in Russia. So it's a shame just for any player to see their career sort of nosedive a little bit. Um, he was really, really dangerous for Rubin. I just remember before he left, he left Rubin, if I remember rightly, sometime around the end of August, so towards the end of the transfer window, when he went to Hanover. He scored four goals at the beginning of that season. He was still top goal scorer for Rubin, something like way into April or March. But um, I, I don't really get this one, to be honest with you. Dinamo makes a lot more sense to me. And I think given the money they've been spending, that's the far more likely destination. But um, for Tisca, I, I don't I don't really see the point in that because it's not it's not really the style they play. Chaloff is the a far more mobile um, strike who doesn't really take balls into the box. And Jonatas is not a complicated player. He is big, he is tall, he's strong. He's good with his feet for a for a physical guy. But I just don't think it fits into into their into their style. But um, at the moment, you wouldn't put, put it past Dinamo Moscow signing pretty much anybody the way they've been spending money. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, given that he's another free agent as well, it's a, a very interesting option so that he can be signed any time and can be signed, well, as soon as the team wants him, if they agree terms, I guess. Um, so I could see him certainly arriving. Dinamo Moscow would make more sense. And I think that's more likely. But uh, his agent has been talking to at least one of the clubs. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I I was only joking really before because like CSKA, uh, who was it, Abel Hernandez last year, Tim, the striker that they signed from Hull City, um, and didn't really play that big of a role. It cost him a lot of money, but didn't play that big of a role and has long since disappeared. So there seems to be a little bit of a history of, um, signing banked up strikers, isn't there at CSKA, Tim? Uh 
Yeah, 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 and and this uh, this like you know, there's even memes going on that say uh, Sky is still looking for striker. They have been looking, even when they had successful strikers like Wagner Love and the other uh, like Joiv and those players. Since then, they didn't really have like a you know like they always play this one system with one striker, but they never really had the backup striker because even sometimes you know. They need rotation, or sometimes they need. Uh, um, sometimes there's injuries, and we have seen so many players playing this false nine. Like Alanza Goyev played as a striker. We saw Galavin play as a striker when he was at CSKA. Uh, we saw other players, even Vlasic, play as a false nine. So they really have been looking for a very long time um, for a striker. And uh, Fedor Chalov actually became a number one striker partly. Not 100%, but partly out of luck because they didn't really have players to play. So he got a little bit more time and he became, you know, like who he is right now, a promising striker who was like the top uh, goal scorer, which is great. But at the same time, uh, that to me, that transfer kind of makes sense. And also given that CSKA really don't seem to spend a lot of money, they try to get players on the cheap or on the loan or get some kind of deal so that... Also makes sense for me, but I don't think that Jonathan, again, I obviously haven't seen him play uh, for the past couple of years, um, but I, I'm not sure what if, if, if it is the player they've been looking for. I, honestly, if he's super, super cheap, they can, they can, they maybe get him, but uh, I see, I heard uh, rumors that Dynamo is more likely uh, destination for Jonathan. So we will see, but I'm, I, I agree with Andrew. I'm a little bit confused. Like I forgot that he actually existed, and then he showed up. Uh, that that he uh, that he's now rumored with two clubs, which you know, which usually have high quality of players. So we will see. Good luck to Jonathan, but uh, we will see where he ends up because, uh, yeah, I was surprised by that rumor, and we will see. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised too because it certainly did not do well in Germany. He showed some re- really. Prom- good promise to, to start with and then just fizzled out and then he was sent off to Brazil and came back and yeah uh, I don't know we'll, we'll keep an eye on this one um, it wouldn't surprise me that in the end he wouldn't he will not sign for either club to be quite frank but um, keep an eye on this one Jonathan yeah good player um, had his moments just has been a long time joking of course I'm, I'm, I'm great. sure it's great uh, speaking of jokes Tim, I'm staying with you. This can't be right. I mean, I know Andrew put this down here, but what's the source of this? Yandex? Okay. Anyhow, Tim, Spartak Moscow in the um, very highly controversial, often discussed European Super League. Fedun is considering taking Spartak out of the Russian Premier League and have them play in the European Super League first. Do the other members of the European Super League know this or is this just uh, a joke? Uh, where's, where's this come from? I'm pretty sure this is Yandex Zen uh, fantasy because I don't think this is realistic. And even if this were true, the club which they would obviously go for out of Russian League would be Zenit because they this is the club which has been consistent in the Champions League, which has the Gazprom as a sponsor, which is also I'm pretty sure important for the uh, potential that European Super League, which they have been talking for years already. So I think the Zenit is just like a little bit more attractive uh, club. For that potential super league, but I don't, I don't, I don't even think like honestly, like I when they heard some different projects of uh, the that league, 
clubs like Galatasaray and Arsenal were not even 100% sure that they, would, they will get like the clubs with massive fan support and of you know lots of revenue so Spartak is you know we're like based on that we're like a very little fish in a massive pond of European football so I think and I don't think that Fidun is really considering that I think it's probably some kind of made up rumor because like I don't really see the point uh, from both sides, I don't see the European Super League attracting Spartak, and I don't see Spartak really going there. Like, what's the point? Um, and but mostly, I don't think they will be interested in Spartak. So some wild psychedelic um, fantasy of people in Yantagzan. That's how I think it is. Yeah, um, I would go. I would kind of go along with that. It's it's an odd one. I mean, we we had rumors now about the European Super League for decades it, it seems to become the threat that comes up every once in a while you know whenever the the clubs want more money out of the champions league and want to basically hold uefa at the gunpoint to um you know get more television revenue reform the champions league get more teams from the big leagues into the league i mean the latest talk is now that they're going to have groups out of eight rather than groups out of four so that they could have seven games in, in the group stage um, rather than the six, right? And then the, the, the two, the four, four teams go through and, um, there will be like, uh, I think half the teams qualify through the Champions League campaign and no longer the league campaign, all that sort of stuff. I mean, we're going towards that anyways. Um, I don't think there is going to be a Super League where teams, I mean, Russia is going to probably be one of those countries that are going to be get really hurt if a Super League comes. Um, that's, that's just my opinion. Um, but speaking of the European Super League, and this is actually something that's going to impact a lot of the, the countries that we always talk about uh, in our region. And uh, you know how we were joking a while ago that they, there's going to be a new Europa League um, called Europa League 2. That was the project name for it for a long time. Sort of to a second tier Europa League so that we're going back to three competitions in Europe rather than just having the two. Um, Europa League is going to be 32 teams going forward after 2021. Now, Andrew, remember how we were joking about the UE for UE Cup? Remember that competition? Beautiful competition. The, the, the Inter Toto Cup. Um, absolutely loved it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> I, I remember 1860 against Kamax. Um, that was in the good old days. Oh, wonderful match. I, I, <laughs> I think we lost it too. Um, also against Barthe Borisov, some great games at the old Grünwalder Stadion. Now, we have a name for the new competition. The Europa League 2 is going to be known as the Europa Conference League. Hmm. What do you guys think? <laughs> Could... Yeah, I, I, I think Europa League 2 is a, I mean, I, I know exactly it was only a working name until they found a better one. That would have been a disaster, to be honest, because that is just defining it as the lower tier one. Yeah. Even though we know it, the whole, you know, when you're talking in brand speak, you've got to come up with something slightly different. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it matters too much, but I, I am very curious to see a, th a third UEFA competition. I absolutely love the Cup Winners' Cup. That was just a, yeah. a fantastically mad competition. I know, uh, I know an author who is is actually about to publish a book on the history of the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, it's coming out soon. Stephen Scrag, mm -hmm. and you know, it's just he he talks fond memories of it. And the reason I like it is because I think it just. I think it promotes a lot more a lot more interest in the middle of domestic competition if you've got a bit more you know you've got a bit more to play for one of the things I hate about the end of seasons is when 
the the focus is entirely on the the title race, which is more often than not between two or three clubs at most, and relegation battle in the middle of the table gets forgotten. I think that's a really productive thing. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of potential for um, you know a breeding ground for players put themselves in the shop window. I I just think it'll be fantastic. I'll be I'm I'm well in support of it. And there's also, um, I think you qualify by winning it for the Europa League group stage directly, or maybe even the Champions League. Well, I mean, you know, that that's another advantage, isn't it? You know, the um, winning the Europa League at the moment, getting you into the Champions League, yeah. that's another little motivation. I, I think it's a good, it filters down well. So I, I, I would, I'd hope to see it because then. But I've heard rumors that it's actually going to be the semi-finalists going forward, qualifying for the Champions League. Which... Well, you know, I, it, it's it's one thing, isn't it? You know, when you when you talk about only the winner, I'd say that's not a bad move because only the winner is well, it's only one club. And mo more often than not as well, if you're winning the Europa League, you're probably having a very strong season as well and you're quite likely to be already qualifying for the Champions League. So give it... Yeah, I'd say, I'd say this sounds good. I'm up for it. And also, of course, it means that Ural can start dominating Europe, as they should do. Well, you know, it does open the door for more smaller clubs from, from countries like, you know, um, not even Russia, but even the countries behind that, right? Um, in terms of the UAE for coefficient standings. And, and that is a lot of teams from our region of the world that we talk about. I mean, I'm talking about the Georgias, Lithuanias, you know, the, the Baltic states, the, the state countries in the Caucasus that when they are out of the group stage, uh, out of the qualification stage, that's it for them. There's no more competitive football. Like their competitive international football ends often in August, you know, after having played four or five rounds of meaningless qualification games. So I think yeah. for them to get an opportunity to play group stage matches, I think that is actually going to help those countries. And especially if you do open the door, um, Agnelli is talking about promotion and relegation between the three conferences, right? And I think if that is an opportunity, if you are finishing in the top four of the, um, conference, you go to the league, right? Um, uh, the Europa League. And if you finish in the top four in the Europa League, yeah, why not give you a spot in the Champions League? I think there's merit to that. I think it should be awarded that if you're doing well in international tournament, that should be awarded. Um, I mean, we look at Ajax right now, right? They had to go through, what was it, three rounds of Champions League qualification, even though they were really just a goal away from the Champions League final. How is that correct? Um, is it just, should it be just the standings of the entire league that you play in? How, how is it Ajax's fault that PSV Eindhoven can't win games in Europe, right? So I think that your international success should be awarded in one way or another. So if like a team like Zenit reaches the final stages of the Europa League, they should, they should be awarded for it. It's not their fault that like other teams in the league haven't done well enough, which means that then next year they have which to maybe go to qualifications. Which teams are you referring to, please? I'm just saying, generally speaking, I mean, this is just examples. I'm not referring to any teams in particular. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But speaking yeah. of any teams, and this is a good transition, Tim, um, your team is going to be in Florida. This is so exciting. I woke up today and I got the message that uh, Spartak will be participating in some kind of Florida Cup. I don't care, but uh, they will be in a flight distance from me, and this is great. So they're, they're doing the – I think this, they're the first – well, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but first, possibly Russian team who's doing a, mm -hmm. a preseason in United States of America. Um, it's it's so exciting. I'm just absolutely just uh, insanely happy about this because honestly, like this, there is an opportunity to have a trip. They will be participating in the Florida Club, which will take place 
January 15th to 18th, I believe. They will be playing against Atletico Nacional from Colombia, Corinthians and Palmeiras from Brazil. Um, obviously, the, that's the. This is when usually the Russian teams start their preseason, so they will be obviously like the teams will be like Spartak will be so out of form, but it doesn't matter because it will be a good opportunity to see the team super super closely. So I'm really hoping that I'll be able to go there and to watch them play live because yeah, I, the last time I see Spartak play live, that was over 15 years ago. So yeah. Um. Andrew, you know this very well. I have fond memories of the Florida Cup. <laughs> I like yeah, where this is going. You, <laughs> you know, this, this was... Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think this is, uh, this is all set up for... Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the Florida Cup realizes what's about to, what's about to hit them. We know um, there's a significant difference in character and uh, in every sense of the word between a certain Mr. Luchescu and a certain Mr. Kononov. Um, so perhaps we're not like to see the same fireworks in the packed out press conference room as the last time you tipped up in, in Florida. But either way, um, Tim can hope, he can pray. Um, perhaps that might be the thing that uh, tips Fyodun over the edge to, to get rid of Kononov early. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. You, you'd be impressed what I can do to manage us, Tim. <laughs> Lujesco was gone shortly after. <laughs> Could you please take an interview with uh, Kononov at the press conference? Because we have stuff, things left with Jessup almost ready to go. So please do do your magic. It's all up. It's all in your hands, buddy. We really need this. This this is such a good memory because like this was one of the first tournaments of tournaments I seriously covered. This was in 2016, and um, this is three years ago when I just started out really doing this journalism thing full time. And, uh, there was, there's a block down there that co covers uh, Orlando City, the MLS team, right? And they were, they were covering this, this tournament during the winter because there was no MLS season going on. And yeah, so Lujesco, this was our first game they were playing, um, I believe Flamengo and the, 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 the organization at the time wasn't the best. He showed up late to the press conference. It was only me and the journalist from this blog from SB Nation there. And he walks in and he looks at us. He waits and he then's like, and he yells at the U.S. organizer, we have to take the bus back all the way to Tampa. We have to go. And then he walks out. The guy next to me, he tweets on his SB Nation account, Lujescu just stormed out of the press conference, right? I didn't really think much of that and retweeted it. Shouldn't have probably. Next day, it's in Sports RU Tribuna that he stormed out in the U.S. out of this press conference, made Ukraine look bad abroad, right? So I was like, okay, well, this is... This is obviously not my tweet. It's their guys' tweet. And I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even ask the question. I didn't even think about tweeting this. Um, so I go to the next game, Shakhtar Donetsk against Corinthians. And I, I, I watched, watched this game and then I walked to the press conference and I, I, I lift my finger to, to, to ask a question. And he just looks at me and he's like, you're that US journalist that tweeted that I stormed out of the conference. I will not answer your question. How dare you? Now I impress all over Ukraine and it's really bad. I look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I was like, well, stop here. That wasn't me. That was the guy that was sitting next to me. And it was, right? Um, and then he got really, really angry. And then, oh, then he said, like, okay, ask your question. I asked your question. And then we, like, chatted. And they, all the Brazilian media just focused in on me. And I was in Brazilian television the next day, etc. So it made him look even worse. But the, the funniest thing is, as the press conferences was wrapped up, I had this manager in front of me. And he just gives me this card and he's like, if you have any problems or any questions, here's my number. And I, I make sure that Mr. Logesco from now on will answer all your questions. So that was my Florida Cup story. I'm look very much looking forward to Spartak in Florida. Tim, I think it's going to be a great fun. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With best Christmas ever on AMC+, Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, yeah, like our current coach won't be able to handle you this passionately, but yeah, but that's great. Yeah, please ask him any questions and I'm sure he will storm out as well. <laughs> I think we did a podcast shortly after that too, Andrew, didn't we? And we had a very good laugh about this one because it was all over Twitter. Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> it was, it was amusing to say the least. Um, I, this is the thing about these preseason tournaments, though, like the Florida Cup. I, I'm a big fan of them because it just gives you that little extra focus. If it's a one-off friendly or a tour that goes to different cities, it's, it feels a bit disconnected. Whereas if you all collection of clubs who are in and around the same area for a week or two, I, I just think it's um, it adds a little bit of focus and it's, it's better for the coverage as well because you're going to get a bit more consistent coverage. And like this example shows, you're going to have contact with a manager more once, um, you know, instead of a one-off. But you know, you might uh, a Florida-based journalist may never see that manager again. So um, you better not. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's probably best in some ways, I guess. I've never actually heard um, of him again. I, I, mean, wonder, I wonder what happened to him. I mean, <laughs> you know, other than um, other than Tim's uh, wishes for what might happen this time around, um, it creates opportunities for uh, managers to <laughs> face the chop, face the chop from football. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Tim, this this is a beautiful thing because. Um, I mean, technically, this will be in 2020 when the Florida Cup goes down, right? So it's not quite 40 years. But you, duck. How, how did you even find this? I mean, this is beautiful. So, so Spartak have been in the U.S. before. Um, this was in 1979, and uh, bef before we talk about this U.S. goodwill tour that they took part in when they went to the United States, I, I, I mean, some of these results. <laughs> 
So they played <laughs> against teams like the Pittsburgh Spirit that they defeated A2. Then they visited New York Eros. Eight, yeah. nine, seven. Philadelphia Fever, 11-4. Cincinnati Kids, 7-3. Oh, this is my favorite one. Cleveland Force. They beat them 20-2. to two. And that's football. That, yeah, yeah. And then, then, <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Houston Summit so, Soccer, 5-7. So this, this was in 1979 at a US tour against, I guess, these semi-professional teams playing on carpet, uh, with beautiful shirts. Yeah, like it's it says here, like in this article, we found this article that Spartak already went, have been to United States in 1979 uh, in February. And so like the, uh, they played, you're absolutely right, the carpet, uh, but it was six on six and they had four um, times of 15 minutes of like uh, clean, clean time. So it has been pretty uh, strange, like, you know, six on six games. That's why we see the scores like 20 to two and 11 to four and nine to seven, because there was a mix between the normal football and futsal. Um, and uh, this is where, you know, Spartak yeah, players and like, we found this article. It is pretty funny to see and um, the classic uh, Spartak shirts and uh, funny haircuts from the 70s and 80s. But yeah, so this is, I had no idea about this before, but turns out that, yeah, that Spartak already been to United States and this is not the first uh, visit. This is the second visit. So um, yeah, I'm excited about the, obviously the 2021 um, because yeah, hopefully, hopefully I get to see to go there. Oh, I mean, the, those results, um, yeah, the team names, that's gorgeous. Um, yeah. So I, I think we'll have to dig out some of that stuff when, when we're in the buildup of this Florida cup. Um, I'm really excited about them going there because there's two Bundesliga teams going as well. Um, playing like in a different section. They're not going to play Spartak, but they're going to take part in the Florida cup as well. It's a wonderful right. tournament. Florida in, in February is very nice. So, um, I'm excited for this, but, um, Andrew, you putting something down here in my notes, adding something real quick. Oh yeah. Quick news section. No, we were not quick. We did most of the podcast on that. So let's dive really quickly into the <laughs> Russian national team results because we're running quickly out of time. Um, because of our quick news section. Russian national team. Let's, uh, let's talk real quickly about this first result. I think, Andrew, you probably enjoyed that the most of all of us. Um, not because you're English or anything, mm-hmm. but Russia beat Scotland 2-1. Um, Zuba scoring and O'Donnell, O'Donnell with an own goal. Um, that's a fantastic result for Russia. Um, that's even before the second fantastic result, but that's a great result for Russia, right, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I may have enjoyed it. I can't for life me imagine why you assumed I'd enjoy it so much. But um, yeah, I mean, they, the thing about this game was that this is the last, the, the most challenging game left in on Russia's schedule in the, in the group stages because Scotland realistically ought to be the nearest challengers to to Russia in the, in the group stages. But the problem is that for them, that they're so far down the table now that... Um, they're becoming one of the whipping boys of European football, which is eminently enjoyable. Um, but no, in all seriousness, the team lineup before the Scotland game, I I kind of groaned when I saw it. I'm a big fan of Chichasov and how he's changed the side, but he went with pretty much all his experienced players, Yuri Zhirkov in midfield, uh, Yonov, and 
I thought, well, surely we should be playing the, the best creative players to break down. But once again, when a lot of people doubted him, his, his team selection turned out to be very sensible. Um, I'm a bit disappointed it went down as an own goal because um, Yuri Zhirkov burst forward. I mean, Yuri Zhirkov, I'll repeat, the seemingly 79-year-old burst forward into the box, into the six-yard box. He actually got the first touch, um, deflected off the defender afterwards and in, um, but he got in the right spot. It could easily have been three, four, five goals for Russia. They were really, really dominant in control of the game. Uh, and Scotland, much they are a very, well, let's be honest, a, a fairly poor international side. They do have a lot of attacking talent. So I was really, really pleased to see how Russia seemed to take control of the game. Uh, that result, as good as for me, was the one that uh, as, as we'll see Russia into the finals next summer. So, yeah, very enjoyable day at Hampden Park, that was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Yuri Shukov played at that 1979 Goodwill Tour, Andrew. <laughs> it is a very striking likeness to one of the fellas actually in the photo. <laughs> it, it is actually kind of interesting how he does look like uh, one of those players from the from the seventies, isn't it? Especially with that new haircut um, or still existing haircut. But I, I think this is a fabulous result, um, and it's it was topped. Although it was not a great game, um, it was basically Russia got the job done against Kazakhstan, although Tim, they really did really did leave it very, very late um, to win this game. Yeah, you know, but I don't see really the point of really talking about those games against Kazakhstan, Cyprus, San Marina. Uh, like I said already a few times on this podcast, uh, Stanislav Cherchesov, he has his style of, of work, and he, he already proved us, especially at the World Cup, uh, that he is the coach who knows how to work the squad and he picks the people who are in form and then for the months he brings them into a very, very strong physical condition. And Russia really plays on, uh, you know, there's no secret that we didn't play tiki-taka beautiful football. We play fairly defensive, uh, sometimes counter-attacking, but football, which is where everyone knows the role, where the organization is the number one thing in the team. And the second uh, important, most important thing is the physical condition. So when you play against teams like that, like, you know, we don't have ability to beautifully destroy Kazakhstan 15 nothing or 20-2 to like Spartak did back in 1979. Uh, there's no such quality of players. So the, the only thing which matters at this point when Stanislav Cherchesov doesn't have a month before tournament to get everyone in the top physical condition, uh, it's just the result. So it doesn't really matter if they scored in the first minute and they scored 9 nothing like they scored against San Marino or if they scored in the very last minute like they did against Kazakhstan and the game which was pretty boring because uh, Russia just had lots of possession and did absolutely nothing with it. But eventually uh, Mario Fernandez scored a beautiful header. At this point, three points, this is what that counts. Um, you can't really judge your, your your team by Belgium, Scotland, or San Marino and Kazakhstan. You know, the, if Russia makes it to the World Cup, oh, sorry, to the Euro, which is very likely, um, we will we will see how they get ready for the actual tournament and uh, what kind of team selection we will have. So um, I didn't enjoy the game. It was very fairly boring game, and I was I was pretty much falling asleep watching this game. But it doesn't matter. It matters that they, we got the three points, and we're really a step away uh, from qualifying to Euro 2020, and we actually might do it in October in the next next uh, day, match day. So I'm I'm not gonna criticize or be negative about the team. 
because this is kind of like the the perception which I get from Russian media about this game. Oh yeah, we left it to the to the very last minute. We didn't do really great chances. Yeah, but that's Russia is not world beater. Russia is fairly mediocre European football side uh, on the national team scale. And for us qualifying to Euro is it is a success. We're the nation which doesn't qualify automatically to every single big tournament. So I should, like I've been very easy on them. Three points, got job done. Move on. Yeah, I I I'm with you on this one, Tim, because like it is job done. Um, Russia now have 15 out of 18 points. The the game, the three points that they're missing, of course, against Belgium, right? No one expected them to get the three points there, but they got the job done against all these other countries. That not, I mean, we have experienced qualification campaigns in the past, Andrew, where that was not the case necessarily. I remember one particular campaign ahead of 2016 where they they fired. Uh, Capello on Broad and Slutsky to basically salvage the campaign, right? Um, to get, to get the campaign over the line, to get Russia to, um, France. And, you know, that, that, what happened at that tournament is a, a separate story and it's tirely. Um, but, you know, 15 out of 18 points, Andrew, that ship has sailed, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the other thing that people forget, and I know you guys are huge fans of the very, very clear and logical, uh, UEFA Nations League, but Russia, uh, um, <laughs> your favorite tournament after the Carabao Cup, Manu. Uh, How can you possibly get that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, in, in all seriousness, though, the, in the, the Nations League, Russia are as good as guaranteed a playoff spot anyway, even if they hadn't um, mm-hmm. qualified in the first two places of the group because of all the, the first tier UEFA Nations League teams would pretty much be guaranteed to. Uh, have already qualified through the, the group stage. Russia would have been the next team to step up. But anyway, that doesn't really matter because, like you say, uh, an eight-point advantage with only four games to go and still having San Marino, which is... I don't think I even need to caveat that by saying, with all due respect, <laughs> I mean, San Marino or San Marino, they're right at the bottom of UEFA rankings. So um, I think that's as good as the three points there. So Russia basically through. And they've done the job. And like Tim says, we can you can whinge and complain all day long about the quality of the performance, but this is a qualification phase, and that's all it is. It's not there to entertain the fans. Yeah. I mean, in the long term, you hope to play a good style, but that is not his job. And 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 against Scotland, they did play a far better. It was a far more balanced performance. And he knows his players. He's using them well. He's getting the most out of Yuri Zhirkov, who I actually thought made a bit of a difference when he moved him further forward um, in the game against Kazakhstan. A few more chances created and he had a very good uh, chance towards the end just before the goal. So it's it's job done. Um, We have a very good young side. It's very exciting, full of of talent still to come through. Fyodor Chalf can't even get in the squad. So it's very positive times for Russia. And, uh, And I think the rest of the qualification campaign, they can relax basically. I'm so glad about some of the points that both of you brought up, um, especially the fact that the qualification games, um, that, that they're tricky, right? Um, we're having this big debate in Germany right now because Germany is in a little bit of a rebuild and a very young side and they, they lost 4-2 to the Netherlands and then got the job done against Northern, Northern Ireland to basically recover. But what you have to remember, why you have to be critical to managers, of course, always have to be critical. We have to be about critical about results. Against when, especially when you play against smaller sides, they only have these players together for five, six, seven days and then have to basically throw these players together 
and get the top result out of them, right? It's much easier to, for the defensive side to sort this kind of stuff out than for the side that has to be the winning attacking side, especially if you're in a little bit of a rebuild transition period. So I have my utmost respect for Stanislav Chachesov to get the man together, travel to Scotland, not an easy place to go, and get a result there, and then to do the same in Kaliningrad against a Kazakhstan side that is not always easy to play. I mean, I've seen some bigger sides struggle against them, and I think this is something that we have to remember when it comes to these qualification campaigns. This is not tournament football. This is basically them getting the players on Friday, uh, on Monday, and having to put them all together all these players from various clubs, various philosophies, etc. And by Friday or sometimes even Thursday, you basically require to put a field team together that has trained together maybe three or four times and get a result. And I think that is not stressed often enough when it comes to these qualifiers. Um, it's very difficult to do. So to get results, hey, that's, that's, I think everyone can be happy with that. And speaking of results, um, I want to mention Ukraine as well. 13 points now out of five games. Very good turnaround for them too. Six points ahead of Serbia. Um, I think, Tim, when you look at their results, they're pretty much through as well, aren't they? Yes, exactly. And like this is very, very good news. Uh, we've been very, well, we have the podcast which covers all uh, Soviet football, including Ukraine. We have Vadim, who is like 100% part of the of the podcast. And we all stated on, on this podcast numerous times that we're not very happy about this whole political situation, which obviously affects football because there was a situation in the uh, the draw when Krasnodar was supposed to play, to play Dynamo Kiev and they put the balls back into the thing because Ukrainian team Teams cannot play Russian team. So we obviously we were super happy. We really, really hope that uh, Ukraine will qualify uh, to, uh, to to play in in uh, Euro 2020. And who knows, maybe uh, the sport will take over and two teams, which is mostly unlikely, but let's dream for a little bit that Russia and Ukraine will play and in, in, uh, get into the final. And then the game won't be able to be abandoned and they will play a beautiful game of football. And uh, this is going to be great. But um, uh, on a serious note, obviously, great result for them. Uh, obviously, the Portugal, they have one game in hand, but uh, Ukraine have 13 points. Good result. And uh, hopefully we'll see them play Euro 2020. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance of it. Um, they have Lithuania, Portugal, and Serbia. I think there's three points against Lithuania, and nothing much can go wrong. All right, boys, that sums up that. Um, that was much quicker than our quick news section, so I'm happy about this. <laughs> um, we have still some time left to chat about the upcoming Russian Premier League games, and that is good because, yeah, there's some exciting ones. Um, the most exciting one... And we can stop highlighting it. I was going to talk about it, all right? I literally was going to get to it this very moment. Spartak against Ural. <laughs> I think we can ignore all the other matches that are taking place and we could just Absolutely. chat about that Absolutely. for the last five minutes. Um, <laughs> stop putting the exclamation yeah. marks. I can see it, okay? It's fine. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Um, football grand derby the football grand derby yeah i mean this 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 is exciting um tim i'm gonna start with you because this is a this is a big game because spartak is in this pack of teams that are within three points of first place so um yeah stop adding exclamation marks i get it (laughs) but tim tell me what what is your expectation ahead of this game before i give the floor to andrew 
Well, uh, to be honest, uh, obviously this is the... It's not the most crucial game of the season, as probably we think, but it's a very important game, like you said, because Spartak is after the loss to Zenit. We have three points um, behind the three uh, leading teams of, of, of the Russian Premier League. So this uh, game is at home. It's crucial uh, victory. And it also gets a chance because Spartak was in a fairly, fairly weird situation uh, because uh, Ponce, who is our main striker right now, he got a red card uh, for pretty much almost murdering Dynamo's goalkeeper Shunin, and he wasn't able to play in the Russian Premier League. And then two new players, Larsson and Thiel, who already played in qualifiers for Europa League, they were not allowed to play in the in the Europa League games. So Spartak, for the longest time, for actually almost five games, had kind of two squads. One squad, one attacking squad uh, for the Russian League, uh, which included Larsson, Thiel, Bakayev, but no uh, Ponce because he was disqualified and the other way in Europa League Ponce played, Bakayev played, but Thiel and Larson didn't play. So finally it's all back on. They all are allowed to play finally the football and then um, none of those players except Ponce uh, who actually went to play for Olympic Argentina uh, team and scored the hat-trick uh, he, uh, but everyone else stayed in uh, in the training camp, and they got a chance to work together. To you know, they had a little bit of vacation, so I think they probably finished their move to Moscow. They settled into the country, and they had pretty much a week and a half to train together as a squad. So I'm really looking forward from that perspective. And then finally, Spartak can put on their strongest squad and have time to prepare to face mighty Ural. So this is my vision. Let's hear the other um, point of view from Siberia. Yeah, Andrew, please. You know what, um, I would say this is the first time in probably about two years, maybe longer, that, that Tim is actually feeling positive about this game. Because usually when we have this particular football grad derby, Tim is, is a bit a bit despondent without his, his buddy Massimo in charge. And actually, I am very, very concerned about this game. Normally, I try and say, yeah, Oral are going to dominate, we're in control. Um you know, don't remember, Oral did beat Spartak last time away in Moscow, so we, we have good form there, but uh, we don't have good form in in uh, in recent weeks in the Russian Premier League. We're absolutely taken apart by Krasnodar before the international break. And, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod with the Stefan Strandberg um, possible news, we have a terrible defence. It's just so woeful. It's It's almost embarrassing. So... Like Tim says as well, with Spartak's attack uh, now the full complement available, it's the the options are terrifying to be honest. But I'm going to say positive. I'm going to say positive. Oral have some of the best wingers in my opinion in the league outside the top two or three sides. Um, Otmanel Kabir scored on his return from injury, so we've got him back. That's really really important. Uh, Nikolai Dimitrov and. And, um, of course, Eric McFalvey, those three are attacking three players behind the striker for the first time will be fit this season altogether. So I think one thing that people can be sure of if they are interested in looking for a game this weekend, even if you are not me or Tim, there are going to be goals. It's going to be an interesting game. And uh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. That's the thing. I, I, I don't want to be truthful and admit that I think we're going to lose heavily. But um, I'm going to let my heart rule and say it's going to be a, <laughs> a high-scoring draw at best. Oof. Ooh, that's that's quite a prediction. Um, I did. 
um, a bit of a scout report on Andre Schuld and see how he's been getting on early on and how he's fitting in at Spartak and uh, some impressive numbers. The only thing that's missing maybe is his goal, goals, goal scoring touch. Um, he leads the league in shots, um, leads the leagues in shots per 90 minutes at the moment. Tim, um, leads the league, you no know, fourth in the league, uh, in shots outside the box. So I think it's only a matter of time for him to, to, for the scoring to start. And maybe this is the match where it will happen, which would be, of course, bad news for Andrew. Good news for all Spartak fans. Um, I think this is going to be an exciting one. But boys, um, we actually managed to wrap this up. These 60 minutes fly by when you have energy. It's incredible. Um, Andrew, floor is yours. What do you have to pluck other than this magnificent game at the Otkrita Arena? <laughs> well, I've... Um... I'll be doing the, the Russian Premier League previews for Football Ground, of course, as usual. And uh, I, I've actually got a couple of updates I need to I need to send in, and hopefully we'll be ready by the weekend on Tumen season. I did the article beginning well beginning of August, I think it was. Um, so I need to update that. That will be coming soon too. Um, and uh, yeah, that, well, that's that's the main focus. And um, I've got my part of football project on on Facebook and on YouTube. We've got some good videos going up too. So uh, plenty going along at this end. Awesome stuff. And Tim, what about you? Well, my life completely changed this morning because I uh, obviously found out that Sp- Spartak is coming to Florida and I already even checked my air miles. I need to spend before before the end of the year $5,000 on my credit card so I can get to the number of points which allow me a flight to Florida. So I'm already in this planning mode. Hopefully I can get this uh, done and hopefully this is going to be, well, a great success. Um, so yeah, I've been reading about this and trying to figure out like where to stay and everything. So I'm just obsessed about this. So this is going to be great uh you can if you're for some reason from florida and you're listening to us you can talk to uh me on russian team 61 on twitter and on instagram it's rocket from russia yeah fantastic stuff um probably going you might be going down there together tim um florida cup is also so. fun yeah it's german teams and spartak there is good reasons to go um so yeah um hopefully we can work something out i think it'd be fantastic fun but until then um Andrew mentioned it already, previews. We, we, of course, we have the, the big Russian Premier League previews, but also keep in mind Champions League and Europa League start next week. So we're going to preview all those games as well. And if you are in Athens, Georgia, I'm actually giving a talk about football, um, integration and politics in the 21st century at the University of Georgia. So if you are in that area, if you're a listener to this podcast, you can listen to me giving a lecture on that for 35 minutes and there's a big question answer period as well. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, you're more than welcome to join the University of Georgia campus. It's on my Twitter. There's more information on my Twitter at Manuel Vef. Um, but yeah, all the previews, um, everything that we do, this podcast, the gegenpressing podcast, Bundesliga, Russian football, Euro, Europa League, Champions League, soon the Europa Conference League, all that kind of stuff, um, at Football Grad Live. That's it, guys. Until next week, das wird dann hier.
it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.